and highlighted a lot of issues that were there before um, the pandemic hit in terms of access to amenities, you know, people coming to work unwell who should actually be staying home. There's a whole range of Welcome to the Varka Voice, the podcast for all Victorian allied health professionals, from physiotherapists to radiographers occupational therapists to social workers. This is the podcast for you and all allied health disciplines. Allied health professionals can no longer remain the forgotten workforce. Welcome to the VARPA Voice, VARPA's podcast. Um, and today's VARPA Voice is about working from home for allied health professionals. Um, and with me, I have got two of our VARPA staff members. Uh, would you like to introduce yourselves? Hi everyone, Sarah Hathaway, lead organiser for the hospitals team. Hi everyone, uh, my name is Vivek Rajan and um, I'm one of the industrial officers at the member response team. And I'm Rick Davidson, I'm the research uh, and communications officer. So today we're talking about working from home and I just wanted to start maybe Sarah with you, like, so this is a bit of a hot issue at the moment, working from home. So I just wanted to ask, you know, so what's at stake? Uh, I feel there's so much to it beyond, you know, just access to work from home, but probably the most pressing issue in terms of what's at stake is people's health Um, contracting COVID. This has obviously been made a hot issue because of the pandemic that we're in, but I think it's also exacerbated and highlighted a lot of issues that were there before um, the pandemic hit in terms of access to amenities, you know, people coming to work unwell who should actually be staying home. There's a whole range of issues it's exposed, but really people's health and well-being and the well-being of their families is probably the main issue at stake at the moment. Okay, cool. So, I mean, I, I noticed um, one thing that you mentioned, uh, Sarah, what, there was a recently an article which suggested that, like, workers will consider taking a pay cut for working from home. Did one of you want to just respond? Like, what's the response to that kind of an argument? Um, yeah, so so I'd say that it's probably complete nonsense because when when you really look at um, working from home, um, it's an opportunity for the employer to defray a lot of their operating costs as well, and which will be taken up by the employee in their home. They're you know paying for their own internet, their own uh, utilities while they're they're in there, and um, that reduces the running costs for the employer in the workplace. Yeah, I think the messaging from the unions has been pretty clear where the ACTU, as of last week, adopted a a working from home charter where they um, basically have advocated for equal pay and no out-of-pocket expenses for workers uh, fulfilling their duties from home. Mm. I'm going to jump ahead to sort of one of the questions that we thought we might talk about a bit later because it seems to come out of that, which is what the future looks like, like the question of the future of the workforce. Because... um, I mean, this this sort of gets to the whole question of the future of, of life under COVID as well, doesn't it? Because at some point, I mean, we've got the roadmap um, for uh, coming out of lockdown and so on. But what do you guys think about what working is going to look like in the future and, and particularly, say, for allied health professionals? I mean, is it going to change a lot? Or do you think we're going to go back to what we're 
what we're used to? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, and, you know, none of none of us have a crystal ball, but there's certainly been a lot of guessing and projections in terms of what's going to happen, particularly around office-based workers. So I think there's been some pretty big companies come out, such as some of the call centres, Telstra, you know, saying we're never going to go back to how things were. This is the new normal. And I think... You know, just going off what Vivek said before, I think a lot of them have cottoned on and realised, hey, we're actually saving money by having um, some of our employees working from home. In the health space, it'll be interesting. I'd hazard a guess and say a lot of people get into the health field because they want to work with people. And generally that would be, you know, face-to-face, hands-on treatment of people. I mean, obviously... We've, the, we've put some restrictions around that at the moment in terms of COVID and, and doing cons- consults and that kind of thing via telehealth, but it's had a really mixed response from members, to be honest. So, um, and we've had all the peaks and troughs of COVID, but at times I'll be contacted by members saying, oh, we're, we're feeling really frustrated because we're still being told to see patients face-to-face for routine treatment and we don't feel like this is really important at the moment and it, you know it's a risk we don't need to be taking and then conversely I'm hearing from members saying we're sick to death of having to fight um, to treat patients um, and this is quite often because they're reporting to nurses or it could be nurses triaging risk for allied health and they don't understand the work that our members do and our members are having to jump through 50 million hoops to argue, no, this is urgent and I need to go and treat this patient face-to-face. So, yeah, going forward, it's going to be quite interesting as to how it all operates. Vivek, did you have anything to add to that? Yeah, and just off the back of what Sarah was saying, um, there's just a lot, uh, a lack of clarity about, um, I, I guess, how um, the industrial relations you know legislation is going to keep up with this new model of work it's it's really been uh, left in the hands of employees and um employers to to sort it out between themselves so you know it's a it's a very dynamic space right now and i expect that we'll see a lot of changes across the next 12 months Mm. and if i can sorry rurik just to add in here is the gendered element because we've just started having some discussions at VARPA in terms of developing our own gender equality report and this topic has come up. On one hand, you know, there's benefits around working from home. I think parents have a lot more flexibility. You know, for myself, I've been able to do more childcare drop-offs and pickups in the last 18 months than I did in the preceding 18 months just because I worked in Melbourne and commuted to Geelong. So that that's a positive. But there's also this concern from a gendered perspective that it's pushing women back into the home. Um, and if you look at the sectors largely that have been working from home, um, to a large degree it's feminised sectors. So, you know, the whole social and welfare sector, other elements of health, And so there's that concern of what it means for women being relegated to the home, both for work that's paid and all the work that's unpaid. Um, Mm. And, you know, and then some of the implications around safety and and family violence. So, yeah, it's it's a bit of a double-edged sword, I feel, actually. Um, Mm. And, yeah, I think we need to be having more discussions around it. Yeah. 
I mean, where? I mean, so here's a personal question. We're all working from home. How are you guys surviving? <laughs> I told, well, let me go first. Let me throw myself onto the fire of the question first. Because I, I mean, I work from home, but, uh, you know, I live alone as well. Um, and so I, I miss coming to the office a bit, you know, and seeing everybody because it obviously makes it harder, particularly when you're doing communications and stuff, to, to have you know, the chats that you have in the office and of what's happening and what's going on and so on. Um, and also it can just be a bit lonely by yourself, living by yourself. Um, how about you guys? How, how have you guys been going? Yeah, I think quite similar. Um, I certainly feel that the role of organising is very much a collective task and, and we bounce a lot off each other in that office dynamic of, you know, how was that meeting and and what happened there and, you learn from each other so I guess yeah in that working from home environment we're really having to consciously make time for that mm. um in terms of getting the team together and and trying to carve out time of like this is formal meeting time and then occasionally just booking in 10 minutes just to like talk rubbish like you would in the tea room at lunch just to have that bit of social interaction so yeah it is difficult but then at the same time if I'm being entirely honest I have a bit of survivor's guilt too because you know I'm glad I've still got a job um and then also you know I see some of our members on the front line in ICU and head to toe PPE and you know my mum's in that position too as a nurse so I can see how tiring that is for them so it's like as difficult as it gets at times, I, you know, just also try and keep the, <laughs> the winching to a minimum as well. But, yeah, that's just me. Yeah, you've, got, well, you've also got a little three-year-old running around building forts or doing something as well, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, yeah, it's interesting sort of having Zooms with members and like almost having gateways into each other's lounge rooms and, you know, seeing each other's kids and, yeah, I think it's had like a real humanising effect on everyone because we're all kind of at that same level as well. So, How about you, Vivit? How are you going? Yeah, pretty well, all things considered. And, um, yeah, just, just like yourself and Sarah, I, I miss out on those incidental um, chats um, that we used to have in the office. Um, and, yeah, you're right, we just, we just have to make a concerted effort to, to get those in these days. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I certainly don't miss the, the commute in peak hour and, um, you know, we can get a extra solid uh, two or so hours of work in during <laughs> in time that, that that would have been spent um, traveling otherwise. In terms of the member response side of things, I feel that I can squeeze more meetings into a day because I'm not losing time traveling between um, different sites. But at the same time, um, you know, we lose that human contact as well mm. when we are representing men, members at discipline meetings and whatnot. You know, they can be quite dis- distressing. Uh, for the member so it's always nice to have that kind of you know that personal connection and to be there physically as well to offer that support and um, you know it's it's not ideal having them there with with management and and HR and you know myself um, dialing in via zoom yeah you know we've been finding ways to make it work yeah cool well um maybe we, we, we we'll be back in the office at some point so we can have those tea room chats. Um, so, uh, but working from home features in Barbara's log of claims as well. So, Sarah, did you want to talk about what, what we say about it there? Yeah, I mean, just briefly. So, we did have work from home provisions in our agreement, but it was specifically for the Royal Children's and the Royal Women's from memory. So, it's 
really just seeking to expand that entitlement so it is an entitlement for everyone. At the moment, it's quite tricky because the, the whole argument around work from home hinges on public health orders and how people are interpreting those public health orders. So there's no real industrial entitlement at the moment around work from home provisions. So, you know, we're arguing on the definition of depending on what stage of lockdown we're in at any given time of what it means that if you can work from home, you must work from home. And if you can work from home, you should continue to do so. And and all the stupid nuances of these words when really you just want to say we're in a pandemic, 80% of their work is being done on telehealth, just let them do it at home. But, yeah, I think it's really important for us to get those protections um, in our next agreement, particularly as we say when the whole future of work seems to be morphing and changing and and having protections around that. Yeah, just for the um, listeners, so we're talking about the um, public sector enterprise agreement, a lot of claims. So the enterprise agreement negotiations are underway at the moment, so... That's where that discussion's uh, happening and what it's about. But we have a few, um, we've had some member response team cases, Vivek, about this issue. Did you want to mention those? Could you tell us about them? Sure. Um, So just off the back of what Sarah was saying, um, we did receive a number of queries prior to the most recent set of lockdowns around the middle of the year where employers were pushing for employees to return to the office. Um, and again, there's just this um, arbitrariness as well. And so that that led to quite a few meetings as well about the interpretation of the public health orders and to what extent it applied. And we saw, you know, every reason under the sun to return workers uh, back to the the workplace and often in a public hospital setting, which is quite concerning. You know, the recent set of lockdowns is just evidence of um, how quickly things can change in that space. And we've also received queries about uh, workplace health and safety. So, for example, you know, if, if an employee was in the office and that had an ergonomic assessment and it was deemed that they needed a sit-stand desk or anything like that, um, that's something that the employer would typically uh, provide for. Um, but what happens when they're working from home? You know, is the employer obligated to provide those same facilities to them um, at, at, at home? And, you know, these are open questions because there is really no guidance. So it was really a process of negotiating with the employer and um, really making the argument that, you know, if work is being undertaken from home, the obligation to provide a a safe uh, workspace um, uh, applies just as if they were working on site. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just wanted to bring up the amenities question too, because I think, you know, that's really interrelated with the work from home issue and I think you know makes the case for us in some instances that you know the more people we have working at home because just in a hospital environment you can't have one and a half meters between everyone because it's a confined space and there's so many people so we do have um, just to give some you know collective examples of radiographer members or cardiac technologists who in between scanning patients would in normal times just quickly duck to the toilet and then come back and scan the next patient. At the at the moment, they're in full head-to-toe PPE. They'd have to don and doff. And in between scans, there's a line of like 10 people for one toilet. I mean, or the other example I had the other day, I had a, a member, you know, 
pretty much in tears on the phone because they it was just sort of like the straw that broke the camel's back on top of everything else they were dealing with. Their work location had been shifted. They were having to cart all their personal belongings around the hospital because they weren't given lockers. They were having to conduct confidential meetings from cleaning cupboards and, and corridors in the hospital, you know, trying to find places to eat your lunch because we know the ventilation in tea rooms is a hot topic at the moment, but it's also a problem in hospitals. So just that access to basic amenity. And I think, you know, it goes back to the comment we made at the start that this was certainly a problem before COVID, um, but I think COVID's just exposed exposed a lot of these issues in hospitals. Thank you both for your time today. We'll be back with the next Viper Voice uh, in the next couple of weeks. So thanks again. Thanks, Rook. Take care. Thank you.